This is the podcast of Christian Life Center, an Assemblies of God Church in Springfield, Massachusetts. For more information, visit our website at clc413.com. We're going to read from chapter 3, but before we do, let's ask the Lord for his insight. God, as we read your word, we know that it is inspired by you, and so we know that it has to be unveiled by you. It has to be revealed to us. We can read these words, and we can read them with veils over our eyes. In fact, your word says that your people, many of them, do exactly that. They're your chosen people even today. They're loved by you, but so many of them read these very same words. They have access to the same scriptures, but they read them with a veil. God, I ask today that you would remove the veil from any of our eyes so that we'll be able to see the glory that you intend for us to see today. God, I ask that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit, through your word, so that our lives will be transformed from glory to glory, as we sang about this morning. In the precious name of Jesus, the revelation of the glory of God. Amen. Amen. What I want to talk to you about this morning is a very important part of our walk with God, as well as for those who have not yet surrendered their lives to Christ. God loves every single person in the world. In fact, even for those who have not yet surrendered their lives to him, even those who today will leave this planet uh, and they will have no other opportunities for a life change. There are people who die uh, on, in every uh, day and so many of them, unfortunately, are not ready for heaven. But God desires that no one perish. In fact, God says that even when the wicked perish, he does not rejoice. God doesn't get excited when people who are walking down the wrong path end up lost. Because he cares so much about the people that he created. If God could, he would make it so that every single person on this planet would enter into his presence. But do you know why everyone on this planet will not enter into his presence? It is because God has given everyone an opportunity and a choice. And because he's given us that opportunity and choice, he leaves it up to us to say, yes, God, I choose to believe. I choose to believe. But even when you and I believe, there is a purifying process. David said it in this way, cleanse my heart, O God. Purge me with hyssop. Make me clean from the inside out. Can't tell you the number of stories that I have heard and experienced in my own life 
where things can seem so well on the outside, but things can be broken and shattered on the inside. Maybe some of you sitting in this room this morning, you're dressed well. You smell good. You look good. But inside, there can be broken pieces. And I want to talk to you about how God works and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart today from this passage and some others that we're going to touch on this morning. Zechariah chapter 3, verse 1 says, Then the angel showed me Jeshua, which is another name for Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand, making accusations against Joshua. Now, I want you to skip for a second down to verse 3. We'll go back, but I wanted you to read verse 3 with me. Joshua's clothing was filthy as he stood there before the angel. I want you to get the scene here. Now, this was a revelation that God gave to the prophet Zechariah. The angel is involved in this revelation, and he shows Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and right beside him, it says, at the angel's right hand, Satan was there making accusations. As Joshua's standing there, verse 3 says, his clothing was filthy as he stood before the Lord. And look at the role that Joshua was in. Verse 1 tells you, the high priest. That's a great responsibility. This wasn't just your average person. Now, how does that come down to affect every single one of us? See, Jesus talked to the Pharisees and the scribes, and he referred to many of them as whitewashed tombs. And here's what the point that he was trying to make. He said, on the outside, you look beautiful. Your gravestones look very nice. Now, the tombs that they have uh, are much different than what we have. If you've ever had the opportunity to go to Israel, uh, you will see uh, the uh, large pieces of, of land that are used as a burial site. Uh, we're used to maybe having grass and then having a tombstone there. And so you may not fully get what it means to be whitewashed. But what they have is um, a complete encasement that runs about six, six and a half feet. The body is in it, and uh, you can clearly see uh, that it's, it's raised maybe about this high off the ground with a, a full slab on the top. And, uh, and for that to be cleaned, it's washed very nice, and it looks white. And 
often here we might go to a grave site and we would put flowers as a, uh, a token of, uh, of memory. And we, we want to show that we really care about that person and, and we might visit a grave site and, and do that. But there, if you ever go to Israel, you'll see that at the, um, at the area where the loved ones are laid to rest, instead of flowers, uh, they put stones. Stones are stacked up on the grave site. And this goes back to when the Israelites were traveling in the desert. And as the, as the Israelites traveled in the desert and they would have people pass away, which unfortunately, God said before they entered the promised land, everyone over a certain age would have to pass away before he let them in because they all did not believe except Joshua and Caleb. So that's a lot of tombs. And all along the way, as they buried their loved ones and so on, uh, they didn't have flowers growing around to be able to put on the tomb. And so what they would do is they would have rocks. And if you go to Israel today, you'll see the same thing. In fact, there is a, uh, the, the value of a grave site in Israel is so great because according to the word of God, when Jesus comes back, he is going to set his feet on the Mount of Olives. That entire lower area of the Mount of Olives is the grave area because it's going to be the first time when Jesus comes down and touches that ground. And the Bible says that from there, the ground is going to split in two. The eastern gate of the temple is within eye shot of where Jesus is going to put his feet down. And that's where the Bible says Jesus is going to enter back in to Jerusalem to try to keep that from happening. The unbelievers have completely filled it in with concrete and have placed an entire um, uh, area where there are grave sites all around the front of that eastern gate because they believe that a good Jew will never pass through a cemetery. And so they're thinking that that will keep the Messiah out. And the Muslims own that property. They have official posted guards there, and they've done everything they can to keep the Messiah out of Jerusalem. But what God says he's going to do. So that whole area there is filled with, uh, with people who have been buried there. So as we were going on our tour, there was also quite a bit of area that was not filled in yet with bodies. And I thought to myself, well, this is one of the places where if anybody who's a believer, they'd want to be buried there just as a sense of this is where the Messiah is going to come back. And that's really the way it is. So I asked the tour guide, I said, now why is it that there are so many spaces available and they said, because it costs maybe a million to a million and a half for a spot for you to be buried there. That's why there are spaces available. Because it's prime real estate. Whitewashed tombs. You go there, beautifully cared for. But Jesus made this point. He said, inside are dead people's bones. What's on the outside is not what's in, on the inside. And what can happen even in Christian Life Center, 
is we can end up like whitewashed tombs. Where on the outside, you walk in with a smile. Everything seems fine. Walk out the door, you walk into your house, you walk into a mess. And it's very possible that there is a sense of shame, a sense of covering. I don't want anybody even to visit my house because I don't want them knowing what's going on in my messed up little world. And I'm here to tell you, God already sees the mess going on in your house. And God wants to deal with it. And he wants to fix it. Because he doesn't want you to feel pushed away from him because of it, because he already knows about it and he still loves you. He already knows everything and he still loves you. So let's get back to this scenario. You've got Joshua, the high priest here. He's in filthy clothes. Those filthy clothes represent those areas in Joshua's life that the accuser had a right to be able to point out. And Satan is standing there and he's going, you see that filthy robe? I know where that spot came from. You see that part on the sleeve? I know where that came from. This guy's a mess. There's not a whole lot of white in this robe. And Satan is accusing Joshua, the high priest. Now, I want to uh, just read this to you from Revelation chapter 12, verse 10. Listen to these words. This is in the end, and, uh, and it's talking about uh, what's going to happen. He said, then I heard a loud voice. This is chapter 12, verse 10 of Revelation. Then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heavens. It has come at last, salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to earth. The one who accuses them before our God day and night. If you could hear the stuff being said about you up in heaven, you'd probably get quite discouraged today. I'm glad God keeps some things from our ears. But we at least know here that every day and every night, the enemy is standing before God saying, did you see what he did? Do you remember, God, five years ago what she did? Accusing us day and night. The enemy came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He has no mercy, he has no grace. He could care less about your feelings. And he stands before God, seeing if he can come up with anything that will slander you before your father. Now I want you to read with me verse 2. This blessed my heart. And the Lord said to Satan, 
I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. We already read verse 3. So let's go to verse 4. So the angel said to the others standing there, take off his filthy clothes. And turning to Joshua, he said, see, I have taken away your sins. And now I am giving you these fine new clothes. I have taken away your sins, and I am giving you these fine new clothes. God knows everything the devil knows and more. God does not need Satan to stand there and remind him because God knows. But he has chosen to deal with it. And when he dealt with it, he dealt with it once and for all. Your sins were nailed to the cross. And when you walk under the blood of the lamb, and that's the part that you and I have to do, can't get around that. But when we do walk under the blood of the lamb, you and I are given fine new clothes. And all of your past, it's not remembered against you. That's what it means when God says he casts your sins into the sea of forgetfulness. Oh, God doesn't have amnesia to where he totally thinks that you never did it. No, he knows that you did it. He just doesn't hold it against you anymore. He won't bring it up in your face anymore. He will treat it as if you hadn't done it because he loves you. And here's what God wants you to know this morning is that you need a fresh pair of clothes and only he can give it to you. You see, the accuser of you and me stands before God saying, you don't deserve anything. And technically and legally, it's true. Unless someone steps in in our place. So when Jesus stepped in in your place, you then were able to become heirs to receive everything that belongs to Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible says you and I are joint heirs with Christ. So you have been forgiven by the blood of the Lamb. And your sins have been completely removed. And then in verse 5, this is the prophet says, Then I said, they should also place a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean priestly turban on his head 
and dressed him in new clothes while the angel of the Lord stood by. Now listen to what the Lord said. Verse 6. Then the angel of the Lord spoke very solemnly to Joshua and said, This is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards. I will let you walk among these others standing here. Listen to me, O Joshua the high priest and all you other priests. You are symbols of things to come. Soon I'm going to bring my servant, the branch. That's Jesus, because we're reading the Old Testament now. So this hadn't happened yet, but it, it happened when Christ came. Now look at the jewel I have set before Joshua, a single stone with seven facets. That word facets could also be translated eyes. I will engrave an inscription on it, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will remove the sins of the land, of this land, in a single day. If this cleansing process was necessary for Joshua, the high priest, what do you think about you and me? If the accuser, Satan, was standing at the angel's right hand and making accusations against him, the Lord said, I reject your accusations. What will he say of you? The sobering thing for those who are walking on the road to destruction is this. The accuser desires for everyone on this planet to be destroyed. The only ones who Jesus will be able to stand and to vouch for are those who have come under his blood. But those who have not, Jesus cannot vouch for them. And that's why they will be lost. Because they chose not to come the only way that they can come, and that is through the blood of Jesus Christ. You see, there is no cleansing apart from the blood of Christ. You cannot clean your own garments. Only Jesus' blood can wash away your sin. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. The prophet says these words from the Lord. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. That's God's heart for you. And I want you to know this morning, God cares more about the cleanliness of your insides than of your outsides. I'm glad that you shower, you something that makes you smell good. I'm glad you wear 
some clothes that are appropriate for church this morning. But I want you to know that God cares more about how your heart is dressed than how your body's dressed. Because what he does not want is for you to be deceived, to think everything's just fine, and yet your heart is filthy dirty. And God is the only one who can clean it. I can't clean it. You can't clean it. Your family can't clean it. Medicine can't clean it. Only the blood of Jesus can clean your heart. The enemy stands before our God today, and he says, these are the reasons why he, why she doesn't deserve anything. And the advocate stands up and says, Father, let me also present these are the reasons why that person has been paid for by my blood. Their sins are forgiven. Now, what's, how does that apply? How does it that one person can be walking on the road to destruction and they, they leave this world and they're not ready for heaven, whereas another who has uh, walked down this, this narrow road, when they leave this earth, they're ready for heaven. What's the distinguishing factor there? This is where a lot of people in the world get confused. The distinguishing factor is that their sins have been forgiven. Why? Well, not because it was only available to them, because the scriptures tell us so clearly that it's available to all. So what about those who ended up on the road to destruction and ended up in hell? without the presence of God for eternity. It was not that God did not love them, for God did. It was not that his blood was not shed for them, for it was. And for many, it was not because they did not hear the message, because so many do. But it's because they did not receive the free gift that was made available for them to have a brand new fine set of clothes for their heart. And that's where the rubber meets the road. When we allow the Spirit of God to do a work in our heart, He's the one who cleanses us and makes our sins as white as snow. God is in the restoration process, and He desires for every single one of us to be like him. And I, I think sometimes we think of Jesus as someone that's so far away from what we can attain to. But I want to remind you, Philippians chapter 2 tells us that he left behind all the privileges so that he could come to live like we do, to face temptation like we do. So what we go through, you need to remember this, he went through it. He was tempted. The Bible says he was. Sometimes we come to false conclusions and think, oh, well, that was the Son of God. He didn't have to deal with all the stuff we deal with. But he did. That's why the Scripture tells us 
that when the disciples were commissioned, as are you and I in this day, commissioned by God, that we can do not only the works that Jesus did, but even greater works than he did. Because God intended for us to be like Jesus. I want to read to you from Mark chapter 9, verse 3. This is when Jesus was, was here on the earth. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. He leads them up to a high mountain, and this is in verse 2. Mark chapter 9, verse 2, as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. And then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. The purity that God desires for you and I is represented in the white clothing. You see that represented in the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verse 11, where God's people are given a white robe to wear. Chapter 3, verse 4, we see that it is referenced that they are dressed in white. Revelation chapter 7, verse 14, talks about how their robes were washed, and then they were white. Sin is what stains us. In fact, Jesus is coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or anything like that. So our clothing is often referenced in the scripture as being something that is ready for us to be able to be in his presence. This morning, God sees your heart and he understands every single thing about you. I want to challenge you this morning. Don't allow the enemy to have anything to rightfully accuse you of that is not under the blood. Because if you're walking in disobedience to God and you are not allowing the blood of Jesus to be applied to your life in that area, in that area, the enemy will have free reign. And really what you're doing is, is you're legally giving the enemy a right to be able to access that part of your life. You may say you're following Jesus, but if you're walking in darkness in an area of your life, that's not automatically under the blood. And this is an, a point where some people get mixed up as well. And they'll think that somehow that just because they proclaim Jesus as Lord... If they leave the door open for the enemy, that somehow what they're doing currently in disobedience is just under the blood automatically. But it's not. You and I must be intentional about surrendering our lives to the Lord. Yes, there are things we do wrong. We come to the Lord, we ask him for forgiveness, and what does he do? He forgives us. But we cannot walk in outright disobedience in foreknowledge, knowing that it's wrong and continuing to do it, that will not be under the blood of Christ until you bow your heart before God and say, God, forgive me for that sin. Then you are forgiven. 
But when we allow the enemy to work in our lives in any area, what you may not realize is you're giving the enemy the right to be able to bring chaos and destruction in your home. Even though you come to church on a regular basis. Even though you may pray and read your Bible. So I want to challenge you, friends. Close all the doors for the enemy. Because if the enemy can stand there accusing Joshua the high priest, he can certainly do it for you. And the only way you're going to get out of that situation is exactly what happened in that passage. Your advocate is going to stand there and say, Satan, I rebuke you. Your accusation does not stand. Oh, what beautiful words to hear. Now, here's the thing. The enemy reminds you of all those things, too. It's not only God the Father that hears those things. It's you. You know what you did years ago, months ago. And some of you may not be free from that. And the enemy, just like he does before the Father, he accuses day and night. He might be doing that to you. Oh, you can't be useful in ministry. You remember what you did? You're done for. You're useless to God. The enemy loves to say that. But because of the blood of Jesus, you have been forgiven. And when you're forgiven by God, not even Satan himself, not even his accusation can stand. My prayer is that every single one of us here at Christian Life Center, when the enemy points the finger, that his accusation will not stand. And so there's a couple things. One, you need to know what God did for you. But then also the second thing is, is you need to walk in line with the will of God. Don't allow the door to be open for the enemy and expect God to be making up the difference for your disobedience because it won't work that way. You need to repent, develop a hatred for the sin that you're doing, and ask God to set you free from it. He will. He will. And you watch and see the joy that comes. He fills you with peace. But outright disobedience and peace from God cannot exist at the same time in your heart. There's only one way to get rid of those accusations that keep going on in your mind. You need to bring whatever that is under the blood. Say, God, once and for all, please set me free from this. Gary, I loved what you presented during our sacred assembly about forgiveness. Gary shared how time after time God was revealing things that needed to be dealt with, and every week was a rotation of feeling bad about what would happen through the week. It was the same thing. And God spoke to him and said that there was a difference between being sorry and repentance. You see, anybody, when they're caught doing something wrong, they feel sorry. They're sorry they got caught. That doesn't mean they're repentant. But when you repent, that means you mean it. 
And so this morning, God wants all of us to have a fresh set of fine white clothes so that this week, no matter what the enemy accuses you of, you will be able to stand bold and strong. And here's what the Lord did with me. Let me just tell you personally. The areas where I disobeyed God and those things kept coming to mind, you may think, well, what do I do? Maybe you're dealing with that. Maybe you're struggling with that. And you have keep coming to your mind and you're like, well, I, I know. I've, I've said to myself, I'm a believer. It's under the blood, but it just, it just keeps coming back. You have to take action. And what you have to do is you have to believe the word of God. Because either what God says is true or it's not. And you have to say very specifically, maybe in your own private closet, maybe you've got to write it down on a piece of paper so you don't forget it. On this day, at this time, I hereby repent of what I did on that day, at that time. And I acknowledge that it was wrong, that it was part of the sin that put my Savior on the cross. And I choose from this day forward to never do that sin again with the help of the Holy Spirit. That's repentance. You get specific. You deal with it. And then the next time that temptation comes up, you develop a holy hatred of it. And you run the other way. You can tell when someone has truly been repentant because they're their magnetic system works to repel what used to pull them. If you take a magnet and you turn it around, what once used to pull now pushes away. And that's exactly the way it is with our walk with God. It's not just even. You either are pulled to it or you're pushed away from it. And when someone comes to me and dealing with some sin and stuff like that, and there's still this strong pull, that magnet hasn't turned around yet. And it's evident because they haven't developed a hatred of it. They don't realize it was put, what put Christ on the cross. And until you realize all the pain and suffering you caused the Lord, you don't truly appreciate what he did. But when you do and you say, God, forgive me, forgive me. I can't believe what I did to you. The Lord says, I forgive you, Joseph. Go and sin no more. That's part of the gospel too. So I want to ask everyone in this room, if you would just close yourself in with God. When Jesus spoke to the churches in the book of Revelation, his communication to them was with love because he wanted them to be ready. Chapter 3 of Revelation, verse 5, verse 4. It says, there are some in the church in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes with evil. They will walk with me in white, for they are worthy, and all who are victorious will be clothed in white. 
God wants to give you a new set of clothes. And he will only give those to you when you genuinely come before him and repent. I feel very strongly that the Spirit of the Lord wants you to take steps of action to be set free. So here's what I'm going to share with you. I'm going to give you one week. Next Sunday, I'm going to have a trash can at the center of this altar. The Lord has been brewing this in my spirit, and I believe it's very important. Some of you are holding on to things you have no business to hold on to. Some of it's symbolic, and some of it is actual stuff that you need to throw away. And what I'm going to do next Sunday, I'm going to invite you to come forward to this altar and whatever it is that is holding you bound, I'm going to give you the opportunity of your own volition to throw that in the garbage once and for all. Because that's really what we have to do. And maybe it's something that is a part of your life and it's not like a literal thing you can throw in the garbage, but it's an action. It's a habit. What I want you to do is to find, a, to get a piece of paper. And I want you to write what that is. You don't need to write your name on it. Just write what it is. And I want you to, before the Lord, between now and Sunday, to say, God, I give this to you. I repent of it. I want to develop a hatred for it. I want so that the magnet of my heart is turned. What used to pull me, I want it to push away. This is a step of faith for you. This is a free will choice now. But I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to some of you in this room. And as you step out in obedience, God is going to set you free. At the previous church that I pastored, I did the same thing one day. And a young lady came forward, and she had this habit of, of vaping that she knew God wanted to set her free from. And she had just purchased this brand-new vape system. And God spoke to her and said, you've got to throw that out and get that out of your life. She walked down to the front, and she threw it in, and God set her free from it. It may be that. It may be something else. Maybe you're smoking and God wants to set you free from something that is destroying your lungs. Did you know God can help you get free? There's all kinds of medicines out there that help you kind of trickle down. You need to know that Jesus can set you free in an instant. But you've got to take a step and say, God, I'm willing to surrender it to you. You can throw your cigarettes out. Maybe some of you are secretly involved in drugs you have no business being involved in. The Spirit of God speaks to you today and says, get rid of it. Maybe some of you have got alcohol in your home, and it's secretly destroying your life. You need to get rid of it in the name of Jesus. Some of you involved in pornography, 
and you have no idea what it's doing to your mind. It's destroying your relationships in ways you could never calculate. God says to you, get rid of it now in Jesus' name. Some of you may have secret things that you're involved in. God already knows and he loves you, but he wants you to stop it. He says, go and sin no more. You need to write those down, commit them to God, ask him to give you strength to overcome. And then next Sunday, you'll be able to throw those right in the trash can. And as a symbol of faith, say, God, that's where I let it die. I'm burying it there for good in the name of Jesus. God tells you these things because he loves you, because he wants you to wear some beautiful white clothes. It's not for condemnation. I want to say that right now. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk after the flesh, but according to the spirit. But God does want you set free. So some good conviction is really healthy for you. It's what God used to set me free. It's the same thing he'll use to set you free. So I'm, I'm giving you that challenge. You got seven days. Be praying about what you need to throw away. And you can come and you're going to dump it in. And as a symbol of faith, say, God, that's it. I'm all done with that. In Jesus' name, I'm yours. I want to wear white robes for you. I don't want filth to stain my garment. Maybe you're in this room today and you really haven't surrendered your life to the Lord before. I never take for granted that everyone in this room has surrendered their life to Jesus. Because, my friend, you can go to church and still not get to heaven. Because God's not a religious God. He wants a relationship with you. Otherwise, he wouldn't have sent Jesus. He'd have done something else. He'd made you do it. You pray this many times. You do, 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 do. And then you'll get in. That's if we served a religious God, but we don't. We serve a relationship God. And he said, well, I'm going to start out. How about I give my son? And we'll see who accepts him. We'll go from there. Maybe you're here today and your heart is pounding within your chest because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. I want you to be ready. Right where you are this morning. If you hear the voice of the Spirit saying to you, turn your life to me, surrender your heart to me, don't wait any longer. Listen to that voice and say, yes, Lord. All across this room, if that's you, very simple, would you just raise your hand nice and high? I want to pray with you this morning for full surrender. I'm talking about salvation here. I'm talking about those in this room who have yet to surrender your lives to Christ, but you're willing to do. God sees your hand, my sister. Is there anyone else present in this room? And you need to make that decision. God sees your hand, my brother. You want to wear white robes in the presence of a holy God. I don't rush through this because God cares so much for you. So I'm going to give it one more request. Anybody else in this room 
beside the two who have raised their hand. This is your window of opportunity. Hear the voice of the Spirit. I do sincerely hope that every other person in this room is completely ready to meet Jesus. Now I'm going to ask us to do what God asked us to do, and that is to confess our sin, to ask him to forgive us and to cleanse us and make us clean. And so for you who raised your hand, I simply ask you to join with us in this prayer. And as you pray, just allow the Spirit of God to minister to your heart and believe as you pray and the Holy Spirit is going to work. And I'm going to ask the entire church to join together in this prayer. For the Bible says that all the angels in heaven rejoice when even one gives their heart to Christ because one soul is worth more than the whole world. Would you join with me in this prayer? Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge today that I need your forgiveness. I believe that you paid the price for all of my sin. When you died on the cross and you shed your blood for me, please come into my heart and wash me clean. Make me brand new. I choose from this day forward to live my life in obedience to you. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving me of my sin. And thank you for writing my name in the book of life. In your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise for the work of his Holy Spirit. Couple notes. Stay close to God. Allow his spirit to minister to you. Read his word. It's how he talks to you. Talk to him. Fellowship with believers and get baptized in water and following the example of Jesus Christ. Before we close our time together, I believe every single one of us need an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to search. He's going to have seven days for action. But it has to start with a recognition of something that needs to be dealt with. So here's what I want to invite you to do with me today. We're going to close this way. In just a moment, not yet, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to stand. And I'm going to ask you to join with me and say, Holy Spirit, if there's anything that is causing dirty stains on my clothing, would you please show me what it is? If there's a mud puddle nearby that I'm constantly stepping in and I don't even realize it, would you please shine the spotlight so that I'll be able to see what is breaking this relationship with you from being something that is constant? And here's my challenge to you. Whatever God says to you, just do it. It's that simple. You don't have to... You don't have to uh, try to pay the penalty. It's already paid. Praise God. Just surrender. Say, God, I believe your word. All right? 
You ready to do that with me? Would you join me now in standing? Now, this is your job. You open your heart. I can't do that for you. I can pray. I can help you pray. That's okay. But if you, if you, if you don't initiate this from your own heart, it doesn't go anywhere. So I'm going to ask you right now where you are to open your heart to the Lord, and I want you to say, Spirit of God, reveal to me any trash I need to get out of my life because I'm willing to put it in the trash can. Whatever that may be, it may be attitudes, maybe a way you're treating your spouse. It may be some financial decisions that are a little shady that you're doing. The Holy Spirit can deal with all this stuff. Just give him, un- give, him, give him complete access. Maybe there's a corner, a little closet. You kind of said, uh, that's t- that I don't want you there. Would you be willing to unlock that door for him this morning and say, God, you can go ahead and check that too? Oh, under this area, under the bed, yep, yep, you can get there too. Whatever's there, anything that needs to be exposed, God, to me, please reveal it. Friends, it's a lot easier if you let them do it now, because it will be done one day. It's a lot easier now. Everything hidden, the scripture says, will be exposed. It's a whole lot easier when you let them do it this way. You ready to pray? All right, let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I open my heart to you. Would you please look inside and see every single corner Every single area where there may be something hiding that needs to be thrown out. I choose today to allow you to inspect me. Holy Spirit, please make clear to me any attitudes, any actions, any words that are displeasing to you so that I can allow your spirit to clean my heart. Now I'm going to pray for you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that these words that have been spoken here today will be sealed in heaven and that throughout this week, during the work time, private prayer time, wherever each of my brothers and sisters may go, would you please Remind them of any area and make it so clear if there's something they need to get rid of. Whether it be a particular item or something they need to write down and say, that is no longer going to be a part of my life with the help of the Spirit of God. And as we gather next Sunday with a trash can, God, I pray that your Spirit will clean house in the name of Jesus. And I ask, Lord, that this week will be a week filled with joy and peace and blessings. Prosper each one of my brothers and sisters as they honor you on their jobs, in their homes, in their schools, wherever they may go. May they be blessed to be a blessing. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day and a great week in the presence of the Lord.